Sometimes life throws you curveballs and all you can say is shit. This was a podcast that I was looking forward to because we were going to talk about breast cancer from three different perspectives, the patient, the friend, and the surgeon. I was especially uh, looking forward to this podcast because I personally know these women and I know them all to be phenomenal. The problem was the audio has been a problem and we've tried this multiple times and because the audio did not come out as it should, I debated not publishing the podcast, but I changed my mind because these women are so phenomenal and this information is so good. I'm going to ask you to look past the flaws and just take in the information. It just might help you or another woman that you love. Good morning and welcome to Black Women's Health. I'm here today with very special guest. And these women are all talking about breast cancer from different perspectives. And this is going to be a very exciting um, podcast for me. Um, the podcast was originally started because I wanted to talk about Black women who were uplifting, you know, Black women rising. I was tired of just hearing dismal statistics about us. And for me, <clears throat> Joan is an example of Black women rising. And what I mean by that is that this year she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she decided that she wanted to share her story. Now, she's not that's already come through the fire, that's looking back and telling someone else, you can come through. She's someone that's actually going through right now and she's willing to share her story. And I think that's a very positive thing. With us is Carmen, who is Joan's best friend and she's the kind of friend that we all want and we all need when we're going through something. And so we're going to hear from the perspective of the friend. And we have... And then we have Dr. Lisa. So Dr. Lisa, uh, you're a surgeon. And one of the things that I think happens once you're diagnosed with breast cancer is all of a sudden you have many doctors that you start interfacing with. There's the oncologist, there's the surgeon, there's the radiotherapist, there's on and on and on. So as the surgeon, what role do you play or when do you intervene when a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer? In my, in my um, practice, it's Usually what happens is people come to me one of two ways. Either they felt a mass and come directly from their primary physician with or without a mammogram, usually with the mammogram prior to biopsy, or they've felt a mass or had a routine mammogram. Some abnormality was found and then biopsied by the, the radiologist. 
and then they come to me already with the diagnosis. The, the biopsy prior to me seeing and examining and talking to them is becoming more and more common because radiologists have been aggressive about promoting themselves as the, the uh, gateway to the diagnosis one way or the other. Um, and so what happens is, is people come either with already some understanding that they have cancer or possibly in shock and disbelief and, and, and uh, lack of trust about the diagnosis. Some mm -hmm. of that depends on who the radiologist was that spoke with them when they're having a procedure and a diagnostic mammogram and their, their approach to the patient um, can sometimes be off-putting and other times it's, you know, factual and, and the person comes with some understanding. They've, they've gone ahead and done a little bit of research and they have uh, appropriate questions um, and concerns and, you know, some, some mythology that may or may not need to be dispelled. So when I meet them, my role is to help them understand what they've been told prior to meeting me, make sure there's no disparities between reality and what they've been told or how they've been told it, and um, get them comfortable enough to realize that this is not an insurmountable thing. Most of the time, um, most of the patients are treatable and, dare I say, almost curable. Um, you know, and I'm sure Joan knows this and she's probably heard this, but it's not like something you can just never think about again once you've even gone through it. But, you know, a lot of times people come and I mean, I'm older, so I remember my parents' generation wouldn't even say cancer. It was the C word. And there's some of that, you know, <clears throat> fear-based beliefs that once you get that, once you hear that word, it's a done deal and time to write your will. So my role as I see it, is to make sure people understand what they're dealing with, what they should expect, what their options is, and most of all, that it is not a death sentence 99% of the time. Now, there are some people that come and have neglected, you know, and have huge tumors and, 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 and far advanced disease, and those folks, my role is to set them up to be as comfortable as they can with all that they have to go through, um, to live as well as they can for as long as they can. What I usually do is, if they have a non-palpable mass and a normal exam, and this was an abnormality seen on mammogram that not has, has not yet been biopsied, I sit down with them with the mammogram and the ultrasound on the computer and go over all the features that make the lesion more suspicious or less suspicious and tell them, you know, some things are clearly benign, like a simple cyst, and some things are clearly malignant by mammogram, and a lot of stuff is a gray area with uh, radiation towards more suspicious versus less suspicious. And I'll tell them, I was like, you know, in, especially in the States, people don't do well with uncertainty. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So a lot of times you'll need a biopsy to confirm something is fine, if I tell you you need a biopsy, doesn't mean you definitely need cancer, but I'm gonna sit here and show you the features on imaging that make me more suspicious that you're probably gonna be dealing with a cancer. 
So by that time, by the time the person has the biopsy, if they see me first for the abnormal mammogram, by the time they have the biopsy, when I call them and tell them, yeah, like I thought it was cancer, they already know what I think their options are. They already know what I think their prognosis is, and they've heard the speech. So it, it, the biggest thing with fear is the unknown. Most of us can deal with almost anything if we know what's going to happen. It's the unknown that gets us, and that's, you know, is what paralyzes us. Some people, that's still not enough. You know, some people need 20 different opinions because they're searching for someone to tell them what they want to hear, that it's not a problem. But I'd say 95% of the time, when I set people up for what I expect to find on the biopsy, and after 30 years, I can pretty much tell it's not that often that I'm surprised by five results, even if the person's exam is normal, that um, they're like, okay, let's do this thing. You already told me what to expect, and now I know. And they're a whole lot calmer, like a thousand times calmer about it. It's the unknown that gets us. We are really powerful when we know what our options are and what to expect. Okay. Okay. So here's the kicker. When it comes to options for breast cancer, the kicker is, is what you can do and what you should do. And most of the time, you can do whatever the patient would like. Most of the time. I mean, the exception oh, is... Stop, stop there. because that's. A, let me stop you there. Do you feel that patients are given a choice? Or My patients are. basically are. dictated, this is what you need? To have no, happen. I can't tell what everybody's experience is. I know mine are given a choice. The only time I dictate to a patient and I'll, I'll tell them, I was like, the choice is yours. I can't tell you what risk level you can deal with. And I can't tell you what is going to make you feel better and more secure or make you feel like you've been quote unquote mutilated. I can tell you that they have yet to show that bilateral mastectomies with or without reconstruction have resulted in lower mortality rates on every, any level, even with BRCA patients. So unless you absolutely have to have a mastectomy, choosing a mastectomy, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I can guarantee that you will survive. That's your personal choice because you would rather have a 1% risk of local recurrence than a 12 to 18% risk of local recurrence. Um, for most cancers, there's some cancers where you don't have a choice. If a person has a, a massive spread of, of, of tumor or a large mass that's attached to the chest wall that doesn't respond to neoadjuvant therapy, then you don't have a choice. But if you aren't falling into that category, and that's a small percentage of patients, you always have a choice. And I always give the patient the options and tell her, I would prefer to preserve your breast. But I'm not the one to sit here and tell you that it will, number one, never come back. And number two, if it does come back, how you feel about it. And some women will say, well, I don't want to have to deal with this. I want them both off. And I'll take my 1% risk of recurrence on the chest wall and the small risk of metastatic disease. But I still don't want to have breasts and I'll be fine. I give my patients a choice. But I can't tell you how many patients are dictated to. Um, I know so it happens. I'm just talking about I question. The best thing all black women can do is to get their overall health as optimal as possible, which means clean up your diet, start exercising, try to get to your optimal weight. 
you know, there's multiple factors that cause cancer and there's only one that we have control over. You're going to have no control over your genetics, you know, with environmental racism in this country and just the overall, you know, drive of capitalism to, to feed us poison, to let us drink poison because of, of the, the, the dollar value of this stuff. None of us are, are, are safe, but black folks in, in particular are exposed to more environmental toxins. And so if you can't get yourself out of that situation, you don't have control over that either. But you do have control over what you do with your body and what you put in your body. And for us, there's too much um, not attention to that. And, um, you know, metabolic syndrome is the, 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 the syndrome associated with central obesity, in other words, belly fat, diabetes, elevated cholesterol, and that can increase your risk of breast cancer by seven to eight percent, every seven or eight times the risk of breast cancer. Um, you know, triple negative cancer is more common in black women, but it's not across the board in all black women globally. East African black women don't have the rate of triple negative. Caribbean black women don't have the rate of triple negative that American women. So is it dietary? Is it environmental? Uh, West African women do have higher rates of triple negative like American black folks. And of course, we know that our ancestors were enslaved mostly from West Africa. So there is some component of genetic possibly, but is the catalyst environment? It doesn't much matter since we don't have control over that. What does matter though, is what we can do to put the proper things in our own health. So even if, even if and you do get something, you're able to tolerate the treatment. You're able to survive the, the, the treatment, but you're able to heal better, you're able to tolerate chemotherapy and sail through as opposed to struggling and having multiple um, side effects because of your pre-existing comorbidity. So that's the most powerful thing that I to all black women is get yourself physically and mentally and 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 um, uh, together and 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 take care of next week more. Here's a brief preview. Now, I just applaud Joan for, for you know, how she's weathering this. And, and I applaud you, um, Sharon and Lisa, for, for your information. It's, it's just so um, necessary, you know, in this, this day and time. And I'm glad that I was, you know, asked to be, just to be a listener, to, to get all of this information and then, you know, to be able to pass it on. And, See what I mean? Dr. Lisa's phenomenal. When's the last time you had an opportunity to listen to a surgeon talk to you that way, to give you that kind of information? Phenomenal. And there's more to come. Stay tuned for part two. Joan is coming up. to recap she didn't feel as though she was at high risk but she still got regular mammograms when she presented to her doctors there was a delay in diagnosis eventually a radiologist told her she had cancer 
the initial surgeon seemed to be insensitive. Wow, let this be a precautionary tale for all of us. We all need to value and respect our bodies. And when we know that something is not right, we need to pursue it. We need to get answers. And the reason I have nothing but respect for Joan is because now she is in the midst of going through her treatment and she wanted to share her story for the benefit of other black women. Nothing but respect. The conversation continues.